Welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. Our desire at MOF PHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that he will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. Why don't you honor Pastor Jeff as he's being seated. And, of course, we include uh, Miss Lisa in that uh, honor, and she is uh, not in this part of the facility but doing ministry and so grateful for how the Lord is using them in leading the church here. Sometimes what happens in um, situations like we enjoyed here, being here so long, relatively speaking, and seeing God just do some marvelous things. I mean, and I give the Lord the credit and I give people that worked with me on as my team and leadership and everybody in different level of ministry. We, we just saw, when I, when I came to the church, I don't know if you, not everyone would know about this, but that we were, had about 40 people or so, and you see what the Lord has done through the years. And Mount Olive Church continues to grow. And I'm saying that what happens sometimes when a pastor leaves after such a ministry, things just kind of fall off. And I'm so grateful that's not been the case here. You continue to be an outstanding church of ministry locally. Throughout our denomination, it is known what God is doing through the ministry of Mount Olive First Pentecostal in this church. And since 1939, did you know that? This church has been in ministry. In fact, late yesterday afternoon, we rode down in the southern part of town. Me and Ann, my wife and I, just, uh, just kind of meandering through Mount Olive. Mount Olive's a good place to meander through. And there's just so many, you know, things running through my brain and coming here today. Um, the, we just have tender memories, and we've, you've experienced a lot of loss recently, people that we pastored and we cared about during that time in an active way. And, and um, I tell you, I've been shedding some tears over this body recently especially, and... Um, and it's, it's hard not to think about that, especially coming back today. But I'm not coming to you as your former pastor. Uh, if I were, I would go down that vein in preaching. I'm coming to you as the conference missions director. And in that office, I have the challenge of encouraging people and raising the awareness of IPHC World Missions. One of the things that is, is resting on my plate is raising $1.6 million this year. Wouldn't you like that challenge? But the, but the truth is we have a heritage, a history of being a very generous conference. And, but we're the number one conference in the denomination in World Missions Giving. If we, and I'm, when we raise that amount, that's going to be a great percentage of the entire budget. I think about 20%, I think is what would be right. I'm not a mathematician, so I may have got my numbers wrong. But it's going to be a good chunk of the entire denominational budget for IPHC World Missions. But I've discovered in my walk with the Lord 
and in pastoral ministry and in this office that there's one key, there's one practice, one characteristic that if people would step into, God's people would step into, it would just solve our problems. I started to entitle this message, The Key to Everything. <laughs> and in some ways it is as it relates to ministry. I'm going to make reference to some passages of Scripture, some verses of Scripture found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm just going to refer to some things there. And there's one phrase in particular that I'm going to point out before it's all over with. The Apostle Paul, who wrote many of the letters of the New Testament, one of his strategies in writing to the churches was to honor people. And you can see examples of that, and this is one of those examples. In fact, let that be a lesson to you, especially if you are interested in being a leader at all. Make heroes out of others. Uh, in fact, Peter said honor, and Paul said it as well, honor one another. We're to, be, we're to be people of honor and show appreciation. And Paul's doing that. He's writing to the Corinthians, and he's challenging them in the area of giving, in the area of giving. You remember what I said? I'm coming to you as the conference missions director. And missions will only happen when people meet the challenge of giving. And so it's a very relevant passage there in the first few verses of chapter 8. But there's one phrase out of that, along about verse 5 it is. First of all, Paul, is he is just bragging on these Macedonians, which refers to a group of churches that was really enduring a lot of persecution and hardship. And he's bragging on them and and if, if Paul had a Facebook account, he would have the pictures of the Macedonians on that Facebook account and say, let me tell you about the, and he'd do a post. Some of you looking at me like I'm crazy, but you, you know what Facebook is, right? Yeah, I, I, I know you do because I'm on there with some of you and some of you follow me as well. But he's, he says, I, I want to tell you about these Corinthians. I want to tell you about these Macedonians about all that they did, and it said it hinges on one main thing there in verse 5. He says they were this way, they did this, they were, they were enduring, they were obedient, they honored us because they first gave themselves to the Lord. They first gave themselves to the Lord. Thank you for posting the passage, yeah. They, their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. If all God's children, if all God's people would learn to practice that, man, what a great ministry we would have and what great things we could do for the Lord. Okay, the truth is this. We have to constantly renew ourselves to do that. There's certainly got to be a start in it, but it is a practice. I have to get up every day. I'm just telling you, I have to get up every day and give myself afresh first to the Lord. As I think through my day, as I think through my schedule, as I think through the people that I'm going to deal with and the, and the meetings I'm going to have and the responsibilities I'm going to fulfill, 
We've got to start our day ongoing and growing. And you, you want to mature, you want to grow in the Lord. Would you learn to practice this thing of giving yourself first to the Lord? And there's going to be many expressions of that. But what I'm honing in on this morning, are you ready? You listening? Is that giving yourself first to the Lord is going to be demonstrated through generosity. You can be generous. In fact, generosity shows up in a lot of, I, I trust that you'll be generous in, a, in appreciating people, generous with your love, uh, generous in your worship and giving to the Lord. But remember, I'm coming to you as the conference missions director with a $1.6 million goal to reach. And it's going to happen. We did a little over a million and a half last year through this conference. You were a big part of that. Give yourself a hand for that. And let, and let me mention this as well. The Mount Olive Church is the fourth highest giving church to world missions in this conference out of over 200 churches and the 15th highest in the entire denomination out of over uh, of about 1,800 churches. Give yourself a hand for that. So I appreciate, and all those funds that I've talked about, it happens because people like you and churches like you join together in doing their part in supporting IPHC World Missions. And that just shows me there are some folks in this conference and in this denomination who know what it is to give themselves first to the Lord because it's reflected in what they do with their financial resources. Now, let me just go ahead right at the start and give you, you, you put your, your seatbelts on. We're going on a journey, and we're going to talk about money. Are you ready to hear anything about money? I didn't hear an amen. Well, shame on you. One, you know, Pastor Jeff and any of you that preach or do anything um, where you've got an audience in front of you, one thing that I've had to be delivered from, just going to confess to you, is not needing others' affirmation. You know what I'm saying? Just preaching the word, preaching the truth, doing it with love and doing it with grace. I've already prayed for you that God would help me to express love to you and that and certainly, you, will I feel any love before it's all over with? <laughs> that we connect together. And, and I, there's a freedom in that. If, I don't, if, if, if a preacher gets to the place where you really don't need others' affirmation, you just be free to preach the truth. And I'm going to do that today. You wouldn't want me to do otherwise, I know. Paul said, this crowd was generous. In their great trial of affliction, and historians will tell you that some of the greatest persecution of that day was happening among the Christians of the churches in Macedonia. That in their deep poverty, they showed a wealth of generosity. They showed riches of liberality, as how the King James translators put it. But money is a subject that sometimes people will avoid talking about in the church. Sometimes it's uh, something that preachers want to stay away from because as one said on one occasion, 
People act funny when you preach about money. If you act funny today, I hope it's a ha-ha funny and not a strange funny because there's 2,000 references in the Word of God as it relates to finances. And if, if Pastor Jeff or any other preacher ignores that subject, he or she is ignoring a subject that is scattered throughout the Scriptures. And sometimes we preachers, we're, we don't want to talk about that because we feel like people are think, think we're being self-serving. But then I thought about, we're doing our folks a disservice if we don't communicate to them the truths as it relates to finances. You're falling far below what God would like to do in you and through you in his kingdom when you don't understand what the Bible says about giving oneself first to the Lord and how that is expressed through finances. There are two extremes that we have to avoid when we're referring to money. And the first extreme says, if I give, then I'll be guaranteed unlimited wealth. That is not supported in the Scriptures in a full, uh, uh, taking the full uh, scriptures into account. The other extreme says that extreme poverty equates to spiritual maturity. But there's a lot of poor people who are spiritually immature. There's a balance we can find from God's truth as it relates to finances and our heart condition and giving oneself first to the Lord. So when I read that, that phrase that commendation of the Apostle Paul to this group of Macedonians that they gave themselves first to the Lord, it prompts the question in me, what does that look like? How is it that we would know that someone is giving oneself first to the Lord? I don't pretend that I'm going to answer that question in, in every way. This is not going to be an exhaustive response. But there are some significant things that I believe God wants me to focus on to help us today. I've come to help you. I've not come just to raise money. I've come to help you. In fact, I'm not going to raise a dime unless you want to give something that you've not already done so. People who give themselves first to the Lord, I would first offer to you, they are people who are convinced of God's love, Christ's love for them. I give myself to someone more easily whose love I'm assured of. Let me illustrate it. Did it? Do you know if you know we got two grandsons? I, I, I doubt you, you know that. I know you know that. And they're our, we're going to keep them for a few days this afternoon. We're going to get them. But they stopped by the house on the way to their other grandparents the other day. And I got home from work. And, and uh, we hadn't seen each other in a while. And I sit down in my chair. And those boys, those eight-year-old boy, uh, that eight-year-old and that six-year-old, they just come and jump in my lap. You know why they did that? Because they're assured of my love for them. They gave themselves literally to me. 
Now, they might have wanted something. I'm trying to think if they asked me for anything. They probably did. (laughs) You can trust his love. Folks, whatever he commands of us to do, you can trust his love. And let me just kind of take a side trip here and just tell somebody, quit believing the lie of the devil. He loves you more than you could ever comprehend. And we love him because he first loved us. And that perfect love that he pours into us from heaven and that he shines in our hearts and that we reflect back to him, it casts out all fear, the word says. Rest in his love today. And those who give themselves first to the Lord are those who are assured of Christ's love for them and then express that back. Jesus said something about the connection between the treasure and the heart. I bet some of you can, can, uh, can finish this. He said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your heart, the seed of your affection, is where you put your treasure. Whatever your resources materially follow, that's where your heart is. That's that's what Jesus said. So my heart is where today? Look where your finances are going. And you fill in the blank. But something, if, if my heart belongs to him and I'm resting in His love, it's going to show up in some way with what I do with my material resources as it relates to the kingdom of God. Those who give themselves first to the Lord or secondly, those who have settled the question of ownership. Ownership. It all belongs to him, by the way. The earth is the Lord and everything, the Lord's and everything in it. And I can more easily give myself to the Lord when I've settled that question. I'm so grateful for my wife who constantly reminds me of the answer to the question of ownership. She just has a phrase, it goes something like this. She'll be talking to me and uh, She just reminds me that she says it this way, what's mine is mine, and then she looks at me and what's yours is mine as well. Hey, isn't it wonderful that that she helps me settle that question? It belongs to him, right? It's his and he sustains it. It's in him that we even that we live and move and have a I can't even live if he didn't allow me to. My life, all that I am, all that I have, it belongs to him. And because of his grace and his love and his goodness, I get to enjoy this. I heard this illustration this morning. I, I, I'm trying to, I didn't write it down. I'm going to try to remember it, but I, I, I love listening to Tim Keller. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a pastor in New York. He's doing a great job. He's of a, another persuasion, but God is using him in a powerful way. He put it this way. He said, imagine, imagine uh, this. He was talking about people that fuss about him preaching about tithing. He said, imagine that 
that someone gave you a $10,000 loan and you would say to that individual, I'll just pay you back when I can. And then that person who, who loaned it to you said, no, that's all. Just, just give me a thousand of that back. That's what God does for us. He owns it all and he just requires 10% of it. Isn't it gracious and good of him to give us everything that belongs to him and only ask a tithe of it back? And whatever is required of us is not unreasonable, especially if we've been saved. Am I talking to any saved people in the house? Are you glad about it? Many things happened when I said yes to Jesus, and among those is redemption. To be redeemed means I've been bought out. I've been set free from the slavery of sin, and the, and the high price that was paid for my redemption is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I've not been redeemed by silver and gold, but I've been bought out of the slavery of sin by the blood of Jesus, and aren't we grateful for that today? But redemption also means I belong to him. He owns me now. And everything about me is his. He is mine. I am his. And because I belong to him, then certainly I should give myself first to him. Generosity begins with proper stewardship. You're going to stand before the Lord for what you deal with your material resources, my friend. You are a steward, you are a manager. And God keeps good records. And we don't want to stand before him having been a bad steward. That means you take what you've got and you handle it right. One of the reasons people can't give anything to the Lord, I'm talking about God's people, is because they're not handling their money right. That's why I'm so glad that we begin to offer a teaching here and you continue to do that that helps people based on Biblical principles helps people to rightly handle their money. And when you do that, if you're faithful in a little bit, God can give you a whole lot more. And I don't want to go down that road. That's, that I would, could speak the rest of our time together. Pastor Jeff said I had an hour, by the way, so just letting you, letting you know that. I just lost them. Lord, help us. I'll be done in just a minute. Generosity is an expression of understanding who owns it all anyway. I saw that in Cuba. I had the privilege to go there a few weeks ago and, and be with our a team there and be among our churches there. God is doing a great work in Cuba. Um, just the IPHC, our denomination, is a leading movement there. Churches are being planted all the time, all the time. You can't buy a piece of property and, and put a church there. You have to buy a house. And, 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 and so what they'll do, they'll purchase a house and put it in the pastor's name. And as the church grows, they'll buy a house behind it, buy a house next to it, and just continue to expand the work there. And we're seeing uh, uh, some of our pastors who are in the season of life, kind of like I'm in, they're just raising up young leaders and and planting churches, house churches all over Cuba, and God's doing a great work. But another thing I was impressed out of that people was their generosity because they have really, really nothing. 
It's a communist country. It belong, you know, the, the, the government says, that's not yours. That belongs to you. And the average salary of one of our pastors is $12 a month. $12 a month. That's not a mistake. But that crowd is pulling together. Uh, Bishop Adonis that was talking, that leads that uh, movement there, our conference there, he and I were talking, and they're supporting some people-to-people children, which is $25 a month, but a few of them are getting together to do that. They actually got together and raised $200 in 2018 for the global outreach offering, part of which one-fourth of it comes back to the United States to help plant churches here. $50 from our church in Cuba where pastors are making only $12 a month is blessing the work of ministry in the United States. And we've got churches in our conference that are doing absolutely nothing for world missions. Now, those things like that bother me because somebody has not settled the question of ownership, and I will not get on my soapbox. I could, but I will not. I'm just going to say one more time, thank you, Mount Olive Church, for all, you did almost $58,000 last year in giving to IPHC World Missions. Give yourself another hand for that. Those who give themselves first to the Lord, Paul said about this crowd, they had an abundant joy in deep poverty. You can have absolutely nothing (laughs) and still have joy by giving yourself first to the Lord. Joy that comes from the peace of full surrender. Joy that comes from scattering the darkness. Joy that comes from activating spiritual dynamics. Anybody ever heard of the principle of sowing and reaping? You know, God put that in place. He put it in place naturally. He put it in place spiritually. And I promise whatever you invest in his kingdom work, he will bring it back to you heaped up, pressed down, and running over. I remember this was long before Mount Olive, the first church I ever pastored. I was making $25 a week. And I looked at our records, and we had done, that church had done nothing for missions. And it was global outreach offering time. I said, we got to do something for missions. And we took up $17 and some change. Glory, hallelujah. But you know, in three months' time, the, the income of that church tripled. Guess who was my number one supporter of world missions from that point on? And I know George is not here, but my secretary and treasurer was the number one voice for world missions after we just took a step and planted some seed. Folks, I could tell you story after story in our in our denomination where churches have stepped out and committed to do more for world missions and God has brought it in in a dynamic, supernatural way, a surplus that was unexpected. I could tell you, I could, te- I could testify to you and, and about how personally God has blessed us as we have sacrificed and given of ourselves to his work. I could give you story after story of things happening in here. I know some, t- I was reading through some things today or yesterday about testimonies out of 
this church where people just were prompted to do something, stirred in them that they hadn't planned on doing for the work of the Lord. And then all of a sudden, a little while later, God showed up in supernatural ways to bless them. Do you believe that God is an awesome God who will return and multiply back to you everything that's given to his service? And when you give yourself first to the Lord, those dynamics... In fact, and this applies not just to finances, but one thing the Lord has been teaching me recently, there are things I will not do unless you take the first step. Jeremiah chapter 1, when he was being called into the ministry, the Lord said to him, don't be afraid. If you're afraid of the people, then I will consume you with fear. As you, as you go about your business. But he said you need to stand up. And if you stand up, I'll make you an iron pillar. I'll make you a fortified city. I'll make you like bronze walls. And something stirred in me. We, we just got to stand up more, you know. We got to stand up not only in our giving, but in serving the Lord. Just, just in doing. I dare somebody to stand up and to do something that you've never done before for God that he is stirring you to do. And watch him do supernatural things that you've never seen him do before in your life and ministry and for his glory and for his purpose and for his will. And there's joy that comes from anticipating eternal reward. Anybody made plans to go to heaven? I hope you have. And one of the joys of heaven, the greatest joy that we know is that Jesus is going to be there. And I'm looking forward to reuniting with loved ones. But as it relates to giving oneself in the area of, of blessing missions, I'm I'm assured that when I get to heaven, I'm going to bump into folks that made it there because I supported somebody on the outside the world. I'm assured of that. It's going to happen with you too. That's going to be one of the just the peripheral delights of heaven that we're going to run into people who made it there because you gave to missionaries or you gave to that special project. One of my pastor friends, I was thanking him and his church for their giving recently. And he was responding back, and he was very, very appreciative of me expressing the appreciation, but he made this statement, and I can't get away from it. It was the last statement he made. He said, and Doug, we don't want anybody to go to hell because we didn't give to missions. He put the eternal dimension of this thing of giving to world missions in a light that I hadn't thought about otherwise. People are going to make it to heaven because you gave to world missions and because you gave here locally as well. And that ought to stir some joy in you. And then lastly, this thing of giving yourself first to the Lord as it relates to finances and every other area of your life, it's, it's nothing more than what Jesus said of us. Those who do that, you're just following the mandate of Christ. He said, if you're going to follow me, you can just come any old way at your leisure and, and, and create your own agendas and just do it any way you want to. Is that the gospel? 
Absolutely not. Don't give me an amen there. Jesus said, if you follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to put yourself uh, last and me first. Give yourself fully unto me, is what he was saying, and take up your cross daily and follow me. So I'm just asking you to consider one more time what Jesus asked of us. And I'm asking you as well to follow his example. He's the highest example of giving one's all to the Lord, right? God so loved us that he gave his only son. And Jesus fulfilled the mandate. He surrendered all so that he could be the sacrifice for your sins and mine. So he could go to the cross and die a cruel death and to become sin for us that I might be made the righteousness of God. And he rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Loosed the pains of death. He did that. He gave it up all for you and for me. And so he reminds us again through the example of the Macedonians of what our task is. And I've come today to just challenge you in that. To let the Lord talk to you. What does that mean to you on a practical level? What does that mean as it relates to your relationships? What does that mean as it relates to your possessions? Because the key to everything is if God's people will follow this mandate and this example. So, Father, thank you for your word, and your word is a, it's a lamp to us, and it's a light to us, and your word is, is sweet to us. Your word encourages us. But your word is also a mirror to us that we have to look at from time to time and evaluate where we are in our walk with you. Would you just show us by your spirit, show us in our hearts how we need to conduct ourselves in light of this message? And first of all, I thank you, Father, for this church and the ministry that it's carrying out here locally. And I thank you for the different ones. Before I showed up almost 20 years ago, this church was doing some great things. Even in the light of missions giving, and I'm so grateful for that. I'm thankful, Lord, for what we've been able to do through the years here and how the ministry continues on locally as well as globally. That happens because there are people in this audience and a part of this church who are committed to tithing and to giving offerings to world missions. I'm so grateful for that. And I pray, Lord, blessings on them. Blessings. Blessings. From the position I hold, I speak blessings on you. I'm talking to you in the audience. I speak spiritual blessings over you. I speak the will and the purpose of God to be accomplished in your life. I speak the truth of God to be embraced in your mind and in your heart. I speak a physical touch on your body in the name of Jesus. 
I speak material blessings to flow into your life. Father, I'm probably preaching to some folks that that may be struggling in that area. They just got a great need. They're having a tough time making it all work. May they rest in your love. Rest in your love. Know that you can help them and hear your voice and show them what they have to do on whatever level, wherever, the, uh, whatever level where the problem is. Maybe it's something of a practical nature that they need to do. They've got to be more uh, organized and efficient. Maybe they need to get rid of something. God, you, you've got a word for somebody today. Give them peace. The last thing, you know my heart, Father, the last thing that I want any of this audience to experience is any kind of condemnation. You're a good God who just wants to line us up with your purpose and teach us some things about holy and righteous living and also abundant life that comes by offering ourselves first to you. Blessings, 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 blessings. All this peace.